0: Hi, welcome to Ian Wallace, the Messed Up Counselor podcast. Today I'm going to talk to you uh, about another book I've written, uh, second in a series of probably four I think. Um, the, the other two are in construction as we speak, uh, not not now obviously because I'm sat here, but I might be doing it because you might be listening to and watching this when I'm actually somewhere else, so yeah, could be. Well, that's a strange world, isn't it? Anyhow, (laughs) I digress. So the second book in the series um, is called Insecurity. Uh, It's all about me, which is quite a catchy title, really. Um, The second book was made because I was finding a lot of my work worked around situation scenarios where some kind of insecurity was happening with us, with the persons I was working with, or the people I was working with, sorry. So, I started to think about insecurity, and I started to think about how it impacts on our worlds and our lives, and why that might happen, and what we might do about it, much more in more detail. So that's where the second book came from. And I think, in my world, how I see it, and it can't be the same for everybody else, but how I see it and the people i work with see it insecurity seems to be around anything where change is involved now that might sound common sense that might become well that's obvious um but i don't think we sometimes see it as insecurity i think we just see it as fears worries concerns but that insecurity that we have as a natural part of being A human being for most people, where change occurs and we're changing stuff all the time. Every change that we do, I think, has some level of insecurity with it. Even if it's just going to, I don't know, go catch a new bus that we've never been on before. And there might be some insecurity about trying to find the timetable online, see where the bus is, will it get us there on time? There's a whole range of things that we may come into with that decision of catching a bus, that we wouldn't necessarily deconstruct and we wouldn't necessarily go into finer detail, might just do it, worry about it, might not concern us or create anxiety, Um, but it might do, and for most people it would. So I think insecurity is a natural part of human beings. I don't think it's something different uh, or something we kind of get or, or have given to us. I think it's an intrinsic part of us in our DNA. And I was thinking, why would that be? Why would insecurity be such a feature of a human being's world and life? And I thought, well, maybe, again, only my ideas, maybe that insecurity comes from being born, the birth process. If you think about it, you know, we're in a a womb, um, encapsulated, fed, totally safe, secure, most of the time. Okay, might have some bumps and movements, but by and large, it's a safe environment. Um, And then when we get born, that's a massive change. Obviously, we don't know what a a baby would would think or feel through that process. Well, not yet. Might be at some time in the future be able to understand that. Um, But that process of, of being born must be a massively insecure process we're coming from this wonderful safe place to this maternity suite this operating theater wherever we are when we're born into bright lights hands a a wider aspect of the world the earth which we've never experienced before so that process of being born must be massively insecure and I don't know if that is what happens with us. I don't know if I can't give you the mm. the idea the that that's exactly what's going on. But it makes sense to me that that would be an insecure process. And then depending on what happens after that depends on how we work our wells mostly. Yeah, you know, there was um, a lot of study on attachment, and attachment is about who connects to you, how they connect to you, whether it's what we class as a secure attachment, i.e. it's there all the time, or or whether it's an attachment that's insecure. Um, And so there's a lot of theory around attachment, um, going back from John Bowlby and others, uh, about what happens, which was mostly done with studies, obviously, when children are young, um, and, and they grow through a process of Bulby well, we did it mostly from you know kids that had been um, adopted um, and and not with their parents, um, which would be a natural thing to look at. So I think the insecurity is is part of us. It's intrinsic in us. I think it's part of our world and our life, and I think it always has been. Now, depends on how we get that process of attachment, and depends whether the attachment is consistent, and. Um, obviously respectful and valuing, um, will depend on how we see the world. We're not born with the world. Nobody is. Um, Nobody knows the world before they're born. And we're given the world by the people around us. Significant others, parentals, people we trust, um, those kind of things. The experiences that we take to be true. So when we're going through the process of growing up and that insecurity attachment style process happens, it kind of sets the building blocks of of how we see the world and how we work the world to to a great degree so the insecurity is probably something that is a lesser or greater degree dependent on that attachment style i would imagine and those experiences we have and whether we can trust them so when we grow into adults and we start making our own choices and decisions um, then that process of insecurity kind of stays with us. So when we come through a change, something that's going to be different, then it would naturally have an insecure process because of that initial first memory of being born. Um, it's different, it's new, we've never experienced it before. So that process of insecurity kind of stays with us and affects us. Now for some people, it doesn't affect them all other people it affects them greatly and it varies throughout our lives depending on what happens you know my insecurities uh, have been many and varied over the years Um, how I've come to terms with that is with all processes of change knowledge development is to be aware of it understand it try and work with it and work from it and find coping strategies tools, enabling me to make the world as safe and secure as I can for myself and for the people around me. So I think insecurity is a part, as I've said, an intrinsic part of human beings. I think when we go through any change, we need to have strategies. We need to have understanding. You know, like I was talking about having a new bus journey. Security might give us that we we'll get a timetable. We might look on the phone and see where, where it is so we know how far away it is. We might see when it's going to arrive at the destination that we want to go to. So we're putting all that knowledge, awareness and understanding in to make it more secure. But there's no guarantee that's going to happen. Yeah. The bus coming round the corner before it gets to you could have a flat tyre. The the engine could break down. There's all sorts of things could happen in order for that bus not to get to you. But we try and put the tools in, the the awareness, the coping strategies in to make things more safe and secure. Now, if it's something brand new, then never experienced before, we we will find a way of doing that. Most human beings have the capacity to do that. If it's something that we've experienced before, which we were given some kind of experience that you know, the, the bus didn't arrive, for example, then that might heighten our insecurity the next time we have that experience. So the next time we catch a bus that might give us that insecurity of, is it going to arrive am I going to be late for my next appointment or where I need to be? So we'd use that previous experience as a benchmark of what could happen. Now, for most human beings, that is what could happen. For some others, though, it's like, well, that is going to happen. And that then can disable us in making that choice and decision. If the the experience has been so traumatic for us for whatever reason then it might stop us making another choice another change so when we're working in counselling mode we're trying to look for people's resilience resources have they gone through something like this before and how did they do that what did they use because that can enable them to find a way through it because I've done it before, this worked before, so likelihood is it's going to work this time. So we use that past experiential process to enable it not to be so scary, worried, fearful of what that choice and decision, that change is going to be. And that can give people some hope that "Mm, I think this is going to be okay they may still not be okay it might go wrong but at least their base not something that they've had as an experience not something i've told them because that won't work so you have to have something they've experienced because that's in their life their world their process so when we're enabling that insecurity to have a more firmer footing a more secure base then that will help them because the more they do that particular function and it goes right, the change, then the more likelihood they're going to want to engage with it in the future. So the tools we give them in counselling uh, enabling them to see that, yes, I've done this before. Yes, this is what I did. And yes, this is how it worked. And that's a programme. Some people will use that as a CBT option. CBT being Cognitive Behavioural Therapy Um, doesn't work for everybody like anything Um, it can work but there might be some deeper reason why that person's got an insecurity or a fear now that's where longer-term work might be involved it might not be a short program a lot of the NHS certainly up to date is is around cbt and the reason why that's the case is because cbt is a planned program it has a start a middle and end has a number of sessions accountants like it because they know the cost so you're only going to get six sessions four sessions ten sessions you know exactly what the cost is going to be if you actually have that full program and it gives you tools resources coping strategies um based on whatever it is you want to change so when we're looking at insecurity from a therapy point of view, we have to work out not only what it is that person wants to change. I want to catch a bus, for example. And for some people, some people that's a massive process. That's the fear is a hundred ten percent. You know? Catching a bus can for some people be very, very hard to do. For other people, it's a doddle. Not a problem. What are you on about? You know and that's the problem with human beings understanding other human beings we see the world through our eyes we see the world through our experience quite naturally so it's very hard for us to understand somebody else's world um, as a counselor we have to understand all worlds everything um, because that's how we help people um, we might not experience those worlds um, but we kind of try to understand them so we don't judge quite naturally So in order to create that process of understanding, um, then you may need to dig deeper. So there might be some situation that's been happening. Now we call that trauma, for want of a better word. Um, We can use all sorts of language in theory. Um, But if we say trauma, something that's happened that we're not in charge and control of and has had a negative impact or effect on us. Now if it's a child's trauma, that's massively different to an adult trauma perception. Because what's traumatic for a child might, from an adult's perspective, go, that's not a problem. But a child doesn't have that sense of understanding as an adult yet. They're still growing, they're still developing, they're still getting those experiential processes. So from a child's perspective, anything small could be traumatic. Taking somebody's security blanket away, their toy, losing their toil could be a massive thing for a child. Um, But from an adult's perspective, hmm, go buy another one. But from a child's perspective, well no, mine had a mark on that corner, this is not my toy. So there's a a different understanding of trauma in different places. But say for example, um, a parent, naturally, not because they're bad people, naturally questioned a child before they went out the door. Say, Have you got the right shoes on? Are you wearing the right coat? Have you checked the weather? Have you have you got your sandwiches? Have you got money? Have you got this? Have you got that? Have you got the other? And they kept doing that questioning because they wanted to care for that child. They wanted that child to be okay outside that door. It's not because they're bad people. But in growing up, if that's been a conditioning process for that child to question whether or not they're okay or not okay, then the chances are that child will grow up as an adult being very nervous about making decisions and choices for themselves. They may reflect and and ask other people to give their opinion before they make a choice. And so that adult, child, adult grown process um, might be very insecure in making choices and decisions. Once a choice and decision has been made, by somebody else they may be absolutely fine but that process of questioning has set up an insecurity of making choices decisions as I said that's not because the parental influence was a bad person or they wanted to harm that person to their point of view their motivation is that they wanted to help they wanted them to be safe secure okay but it sets up in that child a process and questioning whether or not they are okay, and that in future life, as I've said, when they're making choices and decisions, uh, might be really awkward. Now, that might not, which might sound a bit strange to people, but that might not come into your world and life until you become a parent. There's a very strange thing about becoming a parent. When we become a parent, then we can then have a comparison of how we were parented, because we are now parenting a child. And those kind of anniversarial cycles can impact. So, for example, if somebody at the age of six, say, had a traumatic event, then that six-year-old might get through it, might be fine, might grow through it might never affect them. Then when they become an adult and they have children themselves, when their six-year-old becomes six, they can have a real insecurity process going on because they're now having a six-year-old. So they may keep that six-year-old very close, very stifled sometimes, um, very claustrophobic from that child's perspective. Um, And that person might become much more secure conscious. Now, that's not a conscious process necessarily But in counseling, I find that an awful lot that we can bring that forward from our childhood When we have children and that's when things are why are we doing that? What's going on? Why are we reacting that way? And when we're asking ourselves those questions, then sometimes it's a good idea to look back and see where those insecurities have come from. Now, that's not something we necessarily do um, consciously, because most of our behavioural stuff is subconscious. It's not necessarily a thought process. might think of it afterwards, but it's much more of a reaction, something that we do, um, but we don't necessarily understand why and those kind of things are usually based on experiences that we've been through uh, in our younger years and that then can adapt and grow with us but then not necessarily come out until we become a parent so that inflicted past uh, that's been given to us um, is something I look at in the book and something I kind of Try to get people to understand of where those things might be going wrong, where they might come from, you know. If we can understand our insecurities, if we can see where they come from, then the benefit in that is that if we're going to go through another experiential process and we know it's part of that insecurity, we can pre-plan we can put coping strategies in place, we can make things different for the future. So when for example somebody goes through a a very close personal loss, parent, sibling, friend, whoever, and say when they went through it at a time of year that there's a celebration, say that loss occurred at Christmas time, for example, then The next Christmas would be really hard because you're going to remember that loss because of the time of year because nobody's going to forget Christmas. Christmas is never going to be different. There's going to be a celebration. It's going to be a family event. So that process can stay with us so that after that loss, Christmases will never be the same. We'll never be able to celebrate them the same way, experience them the same way, because there's always this tinge of sadness, tinge of process. And that might come as an insecurity. That might come as a process whereby we keep everybody in, we don't let people go out. If that person died, say, from, I don't know, a car accident or something, then we might not want people to be in cars at that time of year especially around the time of that happening. Now that will stay with us. It might make people around us um, worried, concerned about us because we're acting differently. We're not the way we were. And that process means that they will try to understand but from a perspective that they don't understand because it's not happened to them. It's not been part of their world. So it's really hard to get a sense of why people do what they do and why that insecurity is there. And it may be something that isn't as apparent as that. It might be something like the child um, who's been told, have you got the right clothes on? Have you got the right kind of process? That insecurity will come from somewhere because they were not born with it and experience has given us it. If we can get a hold of that, if we can understand that, if we can challenge it to see if the next situation scenario isn't as bad um, or isn't the same, then we can make a process of change. We can get forward, we can move it. And that comes out in all sorts of different ways, as I've said. So if you react to something, it's usually a subconscious process. If we make a choice and decision to do something, it isn't. So if you react, or if people around you react in a way that they wouldn't normally do, then it's not about the here and now, generally speaking. It's obviously appearing in the here and now, but it's something previous that's making them do this fight-flight-freeze process that people call it. Now, if that person that you care about, you love, maybe, I don't know, maybe you're gonna go and give somebody a hug. Intentional hug, not a physical sexual thing, just a hug, you know, to say, I love you. And that person didn't know you were coming, didn't know it was gonna happen. You might, if that person had been through a situation scenario previously, whereby maybe they'd been approached in the street out of the blue and, and somebody had, I don't know, challenged them or, or hurt them or any of those kind of things, then your hug might get a reaction. And that reaction will be based on previous situation scenarios. So you get the fight-flight-freeze response and this person that you've hugged doesn't understand why. Doesn't understand where it's come from. Why did I do that? Why didn't I accept that as a hug, that somebody loves me, somebody cares about me? But that process means that the engaging of conversation, looking at the past, looking at where those kind of situation scenarios have been in the past, that can give you an idea of where it may come from. So in the book we look at these kind of situation scenarios in the insecurity book. And that process means that then we can maybe make better choices, better informed choices, decisions about what we do. And sometimes we need to investigate the past in order to see where those things have occurred. Now they may be forgotten by us, but they may still be affecting us. We may not be able to understand them off the top of our heads. So what we do is we utilise a process, or I utilise a process, called a timeline. So all that is, is, is a line of time, and this is explained in the book. And on that line of time, we plot our life, you know. But we don't plot it all. Usually there is a theme to our fight, flight, freeze processes. And a lot of that will be around loss or rejection. Probably the two biggest things that make us insecure on the planet. Um, and so what we do on that line is we kind of look back over our life, over our world, and see where those situations where loss or rejection has been a feature. Now, it doesn't have to be loss and rejection, but those are two common ones. Um, and then we say, okay, when I was six, for example, these things occurred, and this is a part of loss and rejection. Now, loss where we're in charge of it, we've made a choice, doesn't have the same reaction as loss that's been done to us or that we didn't have any choice of. So it's pretty much those losses that we're talking about. And those set up can help us understand our world and our life. Now, human beings are weird. Yeah, we're all weird. We're all different. Um, and some of the things we do don't make sense, to be fair. So if, for example, somebody, I don't know, every three, four, five years, they'd gone through a process of loss or rejection where they weren't in charge of it, then what we can do is we can reenact that process in five-year cycles and we can then start making those processes appear. So, for example, if somebody had been through a particular loss that was traumatic um, at the age of 10, at the age of 18, at the age of 26, at the age of 34, for example, then when we get to that eight-year cycle, next one, we may then put relationships into self-destruct. Now, that sounds daft, doesn't it? But a lot of this, as I say, is subconscious, not conscious. And that process of making that change happen will mean that we might start distancing ourselves from people so we don't have that emotional um, trauma of a disconnection that we're not in charge of. So if we make that disconnection happen, we're in charge of it, it's less for us to deal with. So if when you're looking at a timeline process and you're looking for repetitive patterns, and it doesn't have to be six, seven, ten patterns, it can be two, three patterns, then see whether or not those are engaging in that kind of timeline, in that repetitive pattern structure. See if there's a common denominator, see if there's something that is happening over a period of time, again and again and again. And then you might be able to work out, well in three, four, five years' time, that's something that may be subconsciously going to affect me. So then you can say, okay, only three, four, five years' time. I will put this in place so I feel more safe and secure. I am now aware of something that I do. So once we're aware of something, we can change it. We cannot change anything we're not aware of. It's impossible. So in processing that, in making us aware of that, we can then put coping strategies in place. Now all these things I've talked about with insecurity usually are not something we necessarily understand or know about before it happens. That Usually it's a reaction process but there'll be something in our experiential life that's given us that understanding that that insecurity comes from. And if we can backtrack then we can put something behind us and we can move forward and we can create a new experiential process the old one won't go away completely, we will still probably be anxious uh, and insecure, but it'd be more able to be coped with, lived with, understood and we can make then choices um, that we want to do instead. Hopefully that made sense um the book explains it in a lot more detail obviously but when people react in the moment don't always assume it's you that's the problem when you give the hug and there's this fight, fight, flee freeze process it feels like it's been done to you which it is in a sense it's in the moment but there's a historical reason for it and that can be really helpful for two people or more in understanding because if we can get an understanding that this is not being done to us it's being done because of that actually helps enormously with our emotional uh, or physical rejection process and our emotional outbursts because it means it is not somebody that's wanting to hurt us harm us upset us it's been done as a subconscious process and it's been done because of something in the past that we hopefully were not involved in. The book is on Amazon, as my books will always be. And this one is Insecurity, Ian Wallace. It's all about me. Hopefully it'll make sense and maybe, just maybe somebody that you know, or yourself, it would make a difference to their world of life. Take care, enjoy.